Hello everyone and welcome to the Royal World podcast. Um, today's theme is a little bit different. We're going to follow a similar theme to last week's where I'll talk about games, but today's central theme is focusing on games that changed my childhood. Um, the central theme to this really is having a freedom that you don't really have as a child, which is something that I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, so mainly as a child, you... Uh, you're at school from nine till five, <clears throat> nine till four, nine till five, and outside of that is eating lunch, dinner, doing your homework, and any entertainment you can get your hands on. So, for me, having these games available gives a whole new access to a different kind of freedom that you don't really have as a child. So... I would say the first series that really gave me a different kind of freedom, one that I wasn't really expecting, was the Elder Scrolls series. Now I started my Elder Scrolls journey um, on Oblivion, which is four games into the series, I think. <clears throat> um, Oblivion's really quite different. It's a massively open plan fantasy game. Um, there's a loose storyline that you can fit into, lots of side quests you can do, and it really gives you a different kind of freedom that you wouldn't really expect from a AAA game. It was a game of the year in 2007, I think, <clears throat> and for good reason too. So you start off the game and there's a very strict sort of plot line you have to stick to at the start, which is basically just a tutorial to get you to know all of the different things. But once you're let out of this tutorial, you have, in the day, what was a massively huge map to explore. Um, the map itself So the Oblivion map itself is about 41 square kilometres that you have access to. And within this 41 square kilometres are numerous locations in themselves can be generally quite deep, quite large. If it's a cave, it's quite deep or a fortress. Um, each of these have their own rooms and generally some of them can be absolutely huge and an entire quest can take place in one of these central locations. Um, <coughs> Following on from this, um, Skyrim, which was the second game, was the next game after Oblivion. Um, Skyrim took it one step further in that it had refined... Oblivion was quite a clunky game in terms of its combat mechanics, um, the storyline, the voice actors. I think there was something like six or seven voice actors for every single character that was in Oblivion, which is around 300. So a lot of the time you'll be immersed in a storyline only to have two characters having the same voice, just with a varying pitch in their voice or a different pronunciation, which really kind of took yourself out of the game. Whereas in Skyrim, they really expanded the amount of voice actors they had. Um, so... 
So in Skyrim, there was 70 separate voice actors to voice the NPCs. Um, the total number of lines recorded for NPCs is over 60,000 lines. Um, and in a quest, there are many, many lines. A lot of them are reused over and over. They're just a general greeting or something that you use from uh, an NPC. But generally, the voice acting was a lot better. It was a lot more immersive and granted a lot more freedom in Skyrim. Um, Skyrim and Oblivion had generally about the same sized maps. But with Skyrim, there was a lot more separation on the biomes you can enter and different areas of the map would represent different seasons. Whereas in Oblivion, the north of the map was winter, south of the map was summer, and everywhere in between was either spring or autumn. There wasn't really any differentiation, it was very linear, up and down. Whereas in Skyrim, it was sort of separated into five or six corners of the map that had a different kind of biome to them. So, for example, you'd start off, the central place you'd have to visit at the very start of the, of the game is Whiterun, which is centred in these open plains where there's lots of uh, animals to hunt. It's a big hunting paradise. <clears throat> and generally, it's quite flat, but quite pretty as well. Um, solitude, really mountainous, difficult to get around unless you stick to the paths. And then the rest of the map just differs between bogs and swamps, massive ice field glaciers, very mountainous terrain, um, huge fortresses to explore. So I think that the Elder Scrolls kind of changed my life. It gave me a sense of exploration as a key thing. Where I grew up, I lived right next to a big woods. So after playing Oblivion, my thought process and my exploration of these woods completely changed. It was like a whole new world. It was like I arrived in a different place. So my imagination was expanded to include an entire fantasy universe within these woods next to my house. Um, and generally the ability to shape your character to the way you want to shape it. So there's different skills in both Skyrim and Oblivion. Um, magic, combat skills, speech skills, and other skills, sort of acrobatic skills and stuff as well. So it really allowed you to either focus and do what's called maining a certain skill, where you would get that skill to 100, completely use that one skill as your central skill. Um, whereas in other skills, you'd keep them at zero, you wouldn't focus any effort on them, you'd want this one skill to be at 100. Um, or you can take another approach and try and round out your entire character, max out your character, get 100 on every single skill, try and make your character the best it can be, and generally get 100% on the game, which takes a lot more time. Um, and a lot of these skills, again, shaped my imagination, made me more creative, and generally changed my life. Moving on to a different game, uh, I remember on my 8th birthday my parents bought me Just Cause 2, um, which was a relatively new game. The concept for this is a different, different, little bit different. You're a freedom fighter uh, in uh, a sort of Asian country, and you're fighting against a dictatorship, and you start off small, generally doing a little bit of damage here and there, trying to do guerrilla tactics, um, and it just gets to the point of complete and utter obscenity. Everything explodes, everything can be destroyed, you can go anywhere, you unlock new equipment, new unlocks for your character, 
so you can really access different parts of the map that you want to go to. Um, you get more money, you can call in a black market dealer who gives you free cars and stuff, <coughs> and generally you can do whatever you want. Now the mechanics of Just Cause 2 are a little bit different. Um, you start off the game with an unlimited amount of parachutes and a grappling hook. So getting around the map at the start of the game is not restricted at all. Um, generally you can find vehicles absolutely everywhere. If you need to cross a large body of water you'll find a boat by the beach and you can just get in and go and do it. Um, with the grapple hook and the parachutes you can grapple onto something, open up your parachute and then just keep on grappling pulling yourself along to get where you need to go which was a really different mechanic and really put Just Cause 2 out there as a different kind of game. Um, and I just have excellent memories of modding the game, finding different mods that allow you me to use flying, stupid weapons that are just like a massive hairdryer that just blow things around, extra explosives, all the fun stuff. Um, and Just Cause 2 really got me interested in gaming as something that is really rewarding and at the same time will change your perceptions a little bit as you go through a game. So when you're trying to 100% a game, it's quite difficult to do all the little finicky things. But if you do it enough, your love for these things completely changes and you find it rewarding. It gives you a different kind of sense of achievement that other things don't really give you and that a lot of people don't really understand at the same time um, unless you've done it before, which I think there's a big stipulation between people who haven't gamed and people who have gamed and it's sort of a labour of love which people who haven't gamed don't really understand. Um, moving on to a game that I'm sure has shaped everyone who's about my age's childhood and that game is Minecraft. Um, <coughs> I got interested in Minecraft at about age 8 once again. Uh, my brother had it on his computer and I remember he used to come home from school and instantly go onto his computer, open up Minecraft, go onto single player and I would have this world. I remember I had a little house built into the edge of a cliff and my favourite thing to do was just expand it, build new things, try and make it look as pretty as possible and that's what I'd focus on 100%. I'd try and... I was really interested in making it a really nice looking place. So sort of the architecture and interior design and trying out different little finicky things with different blocks and stuff to try and make new furniture. Um, <coughs> and that continued for a few years. Um, I explored a little bit on multiplayer servers and stuff but never really found a calling on any of those until I found a medieval fantasy roleplay server. So having played Oblivion for many years, this really opened up what I wanted to be a part of in Minecraft. Um, so I got started in this fantasy server. Um, when I first started there were several tens of players on at a time. Uh, usually it didn't drop below 20 or so, so there's always someone to talk to. And the general premise is that you have a character within a set uh, guideline of rules. So you couldn't be massively overpowered, you'd have to build up your skills, you couldn't immediately come into this game as a massively overpowered person who can kill everything, and you couldn't come in as some really ironic character, sort of an orphan who's also an assassin whose parents died in some 
brutal killing of the village and you were the only survivor. Something like that couldn't happen. So it really m made you open up your imagination and try and find something that's kind of niche, but also at the same time very interesting. So people will want to engage with you and talk to you and sort of help you expand your character while also expanding their own. Um, so when I first started playing on the server, the rules weren't really fully expanded. There were certain guidelines, as I said before, but anything was possible, really. Um, you could be any race that your character wanted to be, um, really any size. Um, and in the game, you had to save a percent amount of in-game currency, which was a fantasy currency, completely made up, didn't exist. Um, you had to save it up by selling valuable items, or people might give you some money, or other things like that. And this would allow you to buy um, a 16 by 16 chunk of land somewhere on the map that wasn't too close to another town. And you could start your own town from scratch. And I remember having good memories of setting up with some friends that I just met, grinding out countless hours trying to save up enough money to buy this initial plot of land, which was about 50,000 of the in-game currency. Um, and at that time, it was really difficult to try and save up that amount of money in the game. <clears throat> but we managed it, and we set up a town. Um, and we really liked focusing on sort of medieval England, sort of the Crusades, um, these big castles, really impressive castles with massive flowing flags and banners all over it. And generally, trying to make this town as we wanted it to be. It gave me a real sense of creativity and wanting to look at architecture, interior design, and trying to make things look really nice, really pretty, attention to detail, all of that stuff. It was really shaped by that. But also on top of that, you could expand into the storyline of the actual game. Now the storyline was almost 100% shaped by the players themselves. So there were different houses, and when I refer to that, I mean like a family name and the descendants as a house. Um, I remember initially starting off in a house that was centering around magic and sort of the lost art of magic, because in the world there wasn't really any magic available. Um, this house centered around trying to recover the lost art of magic. And my character, I managed to roleplay with the leaders of this house for about two years, I think. I managed to shape my character so that he was the brother of the queen of this house. And this was one of the, I think it was the second biggest house in the game at the current time. Um, and it, eventually there's politics that really open up in this game. Um, all of the houses have different rivalries, different allies. Um, there was one house that was purely dedicated to being a bandit house <coughs> who would try and kill as many people, try and take as much. There was also pirates as well, which was really interesting. That was one of my first experiences. Um, but generally, the game eventually led to a climax um, in around my fourth year of playing it or so, in which total war broke out across the map and there was the two main houses. There was one house which was very, very military focused. And then there was the house that I was in, which was very magic 
and spiritualism focused. Um, <clears throat> and they began forming allies, building these massive armies, preparing lots of equipment. Um, and war broke out and we had to design these maps that allowed us to take part in these massive wars with point scoring and stuff like that. Um, the military house won, unfortunately. I was... The queen of my house was killed and I was revealed as the new heir, but I went into hiding um, in order to preserve the house so I wasn't a target. Um, and generally that house devolved. But that was where the politics and the love of each other's houses and stuff sort of brewed over into real life to the point where people started hating each other's characters and also hating the people playing these characters, which eventually uh, tore the t server in two, into two different servers. Um, a separate server was set up for people who hated other people and generally just got a bit out of hand. I remember on the final battle from the house, I think there was around 200 people on, which was a record. Um, and the server was split down the middle and eventually separated. Now, on the server that I regularly played on, um, the general player count never really got above 40 after that, um, with a minimum of maybe four or five on during the evenings and stuff. So it really tore apart <coughs> the server itself. The other server did really quite well. They had 200 players on per day until eventually it got shut down. I can't remember why. It got shut down. Um, a few people came back to the other server, um, and I didn't really play since. That was about six or seven years ago, I'm proud to admit, for some reason. But that was really a game that shaped my life and made me who I am today. It really shaped my love of fantasy and medieval and sort of the focus on that. It really got me into the book genres that I like. Um, Patrick Rothfuss, Game of Thrones, all of that stuff. Really got me interested in all of those. Um, and shaped my creativity and the sort of my taste in design and architecture, interior design, um, <coughs> and the colours that I like. I loved green. I still do. Um, green is my current favourite colour and has always been my favourite colour generally because of Minecraft. Um, especially that medieval slash fantasy server, it was the house colours of the house that I was in for three years or so. Um, I loved the banner they had. I can't exactly remember what it was, but there was a lot of green. Also living next to a wood in my childhood, lots of trees, loved the colour green. Um, in Minecraft, you're in nature, lots of green. Love the colour green. <coughs> so these childhood games are really something that shaped my childhood a lot. Favourite colours, the type of music I like, um, architecture, all the rest of it. It really shaped who I am as a person. And I think that's sort of something that people can't really understand. People who don't like gaming or aren't into gaming, it's something they don't really understand because they haven't had the experience of being a part of something for so long. Um, which is also really a fun and enjoyable thing to do, where you can make friends in it as well. Um, <clears throat> and also it gives you... I think the main part of gaming that I really enjoyed as a child 
and as a teenager was the fact that when I was on these games, I didn't have to be who I was in day-to-day life. I could be whoever I wanted to be and do whatever I wanted that day. Um, It was really a sense that I had another me that I could be when I didn't want to be the current me. Um, Especially in Minecraft. I still feel like that. I have a love of the character that I was and I would quite like to go back to being that character because it really was an an escape from everything else. Because in a storyline, when you're reading a book, you can kind of predict where the story is going, where everything is trying to lead to. Whereas the character within the book isn't really sure what's going on. They're just living their life. They're trying to make things happen, but certain things aren't happening, which is a lot like real life. So it gave me a perception that in real life, while we may not know what we're doing, there's a kind of secret author. I'm not hinting to any deity or other thing like that. Um, It sort of gave me a sense of purpose that there is a generally more of a bigger plan surrounding what what I'm doing. And really helped me to expand on who I am as a person, what I want to do, and my perceptions on life. And I'd like to leave you with a little quote for this, the end of this podcast. And that is that every minute you spend on happy is a minute of happiness you'll never get back. And that's a motto I like to live by. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope you've learned a little bit more about me, a little bit about yourself, and a little bit about the gaming world and how it can shape your childhood and shape your life. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Ben Collins. I've been your host, and I'll see you in the next one.